No. It's simple as pie, man. You plant your feet in the ground, you look square in the eyes, and you say, hey, baby, you and me's going on today. That's in the story. What's the name? Lance. Listen here, Lance. Lance. What the fuck did I just hear, Lance? Did you say Lance? No. That sounded like Lance. No, I said Nance. That's what I said, Nance. It sounded like Lance. Look, I'm out for Chino, okay? I love the pussy, aight? Lay your ass back down and look at the stars. When you wrote I love the pussy, was you thinking of dangling your dice on Lance's forehead? No, nah, hell no. What? Come on, look. Man, everyone's gay once in a while. I'm not gay. This How Hollywood. about we do this? How about we all get back to work? Okay. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Welcome to Orsini's Uncensored Mind, and now your host, AJ Orsini. How the hell is everybody out there? This is AJ Orsini, and I am your host for Orsini's Uncensored Mind, and it is episode 38, and it's been a while since I've been on this podcast shit it feels like it's been so long because it has been so long i recorded the ronnie burton in, uh interview uh a while before it aired so i've kind of taken a bit of a break from the show i haven't missed a week but i've kind of taken a bit of a break a uh, bit of a timeout, and that's okay that's cool there's no problems there uh, I'm glad to be back, though. So here we are, episode 38, and uh, a lot, 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 a lot to get to. Uh, first of which, I'd like to thank everybody again for downloading the episode. If you're not at the right place, if you're not using the Podbean app, which of course uh, you can also go online ajoum.podbean.com and check out the episodes. I'm I'm just gonna get this shit out the way now. So we can get into all the stuff we got to get into, which is the, all the other platforms in which you can catch my show. I know you hear it all the time, but here's the rigmarole one more time. Of course, you can catch the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio app. You can now also catch it on CastBox.fm and ListenNotes.com, which is another app. Both of those are apps, CastBox.fm and ListenNotes. I think everything's a fucking app now, isn't it? I think everything at this point is a fucking app. Yeah, I'm thinking that. I'm thinking that. You should go with that. Go with, go with your gut. That's what I'm doing. So, yes, this is episode 38. And like I said, we have a lot to get to before I get into the other stuff, which is primarily wrestling. A lot of this stuff's going to be wrestling today. Um, but I'm going to get into myself for a quick second because I made mention uh, a while ago. I do not recall which episode. So don't quote me on this, but I recall a while ago mentioning about the fact that uh, I've been trying to get my weight under control. So we're going to hit this up first. All right. This is the first topic of the day here. I was trying to get my weight under control. So I started this thing called Operation BLF, Be Less Fat, and um, things were underway. The, prob- the problem with uh, my start initially is as all people who are trying to do weight loss situations is where to start. Obviously, people say, oh, you got to do the diet, you got to do the exercise, and uh, and all that stuff is good, but I was kind of keeping 
one uh, very important factor under wraps for a while, and I'm, I'm going to spill the beans on that now because everything's good, so there's not much really, not much of a reason really to keep it to myself. The reason why Operation BLF kind of went cold, dead silent here on this show is because I had a bit of a medical situation. The medical situation being I found out I was uh, well into, it was pretty well developed, into having an umbilical hernia. For those of you who are unaware, what a hernia is, it's basically just this hardened, fatty thing that's in your belly. For me, it's umbilical, so that's where it is. This is my belly. Right above the belly button, you can kind of, it's not protruding, but you can kind of see, you know, as my doctor said, it it turns an innie into an Audi real fucking fast, which is kind of where my belly button is. I know that's a very personal thing to say, so if you don't want to envision my belly, uh, please feel free not to do so. But I had an umbilical hernia, which was causing some discomfort in the working out process. As you guys know, I've been going back to school, so I've been taking some very physical classes. Last semester was a track and field class, and I had swimming coming up for summer school. So I was very concerned as to where this situation was going to lead me uh, a few weeks ago, which is why we're contri- which is why the Ronnie Burton interview was filmed so early. So I didn't want to... Um, in case I needed some sort of surgical surgical procedure, I didn't want to have to do this show under duress, so I filmed all my stuff early to make sure the the medical stuff was out of the way. So I set up an appointment with a surgeon who thankfully was covered under my insurance, and we went, we discussed, we talked, we scanned, we did a bunch of cool shit, and uh, the end result coming from that is uh, is nothing. Essentially, he took a look at everything and he said that uh, that everything was kind of okay. It didn't need any surgery. If anything, the weight loss will only make things better. So uh, I got the approval for him for the swimming class and, and for any other workout situations in the future. Uh, if it causes any extreme pain or discomfort, I can go back to him and we can reconsider the surgery stuff. Because he can surgically remove it. It's just it causes complications, especially at my weight. I'm a risk. So he wants to see where the weight loss goes first. So before I was motivated to do this cosmetically. Now I'm kind of forced to do this for health reasons. So uh, nothing like a little scare tactic real quick to to shed the poundage off. So that's where I'm at with that. The umbilical hernia is kind of just there. Uh, I was under the assumption it would cause problems for swimming because it caused problems for track and field. Uh, I am incorrect. I am about halfway through the second week of the four-week program for swimming. I've been doing pretty excellent. For those of you on social media who follow me, you saw me post a video up uh, at my uh, school pool, so you guys already kind of have the idea. This is for the people who don't, and fuck you for not following me. Follow me immediately. Social media links are at the bottom of this audio goodness. But swimming's been going well. Um, When I went to the doctor initially a few, what was it, about two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, something like that, uh, they weighed me like they normally do weigh people, and my weight came in at about 297, which is extremely morbidly, disgustingly obese. For those of you who are unaware, uh, when it comes to weight and height ratio, I am only about five foot seven, which means that my weight is supposed to be somewhere around one, anywhere from like 150 to 170, and I'm at 297. So that is categorically, scientifically, and medically certified as morbidly obese. Now, for those of you wondering, yes, I still have sex with my wife. And yes, she still means she still manages to achieve orgasm. So it's not holding me back too much, but cosmetically, yes. 
it is not exactly a a, a, a good situation to be. Now, the good news is, is I have lost weight since. Uh, I was checked by my swimming coach yesterday or two days ago. I can't even begin. I've lost all rationale when it comes to space and time. Yes. But I have no clue where I'm at right now um, because I am trying to purposely forget. I want to see a week. A week doesn't really do anything for me or like a week and a half. I think it's been since I last got weighed. Uh, I want to see what happens at the end of the swimming thing. I want to see because the diet has changed. I've been faithfully on that diet, adding veggies and fruits and, and leaner meats and, and the workout with the swimming. And I've been doing some stuff at my job, you know, extra, you know, walking steps, you know, any, any little extra thing to just movement, get your steps in, shit like that. So uh, I've been doing it for about a week and a half now. I do not feel any better, for those of you wondering, because normally people, when I tell people that, they go, well, how do you feel? I feel like shit, to be honest with you. I am exhausted beyond all natural belief. I was actually unaware if I was even going to be able to do an episode this week because I'm just, I'm bombed. But I, I don't want to miss a week. It's that commitment shit again. So I just wanted to update everybody on that. Operation BLF still underway, and I will be doing some sort of weight reveal uh, at the end of the swimming course just to see where I'm at. Um, and I don't really care what the number is, to be honest with you. I know it'll be lower. It has to be lower. Jesus Christ, it has to be lower than 297 at the end of the four weeks. It can't go up because I'm not really doing anything that would cause it to go up. I've eliminated so much shit from my diet that it actually makes me sick to my stomach that I haven't had it. So, uh, so that's that. There will be a number at the end of that. We'll see where that goes. And I am hopeful. Let's see. Let's see if the health changes. But... That is my personal shit. We've got a lot of other shit here to get to because there has been a lot of fucking things going on in the world of professional wrestling and not just in the world of professional wrestling. There has been a lot of shit going on in, in mixed martial arts, as they say, the arts, the MMA world. You know where I'm headed with this. I've got a promo on deck and I'm ready to go, but I'm going to build this motherfucker because some of you need some of you need to hear this. Okay, it's an unfortunate truth, but some of you need to hear what I have to say about about that shit because it's about time somebody fucking said it to you. But before we get into our our main event of the evening, like I said, we're gonna build through this motherfucker, right? So I need to eat a slice of humble pie right now, a slice of humble pie. I need I need you to follow this story with me, okay? It's time. It's time we all did it. It's time we all sat down. And what I want to talk about first, I think it's fair that we talk about this first, is New Japan Pro Wrestling. New Japan Pro Wrestling. I've put a clip out before. I've said it on the show. I'm not big on New Japan. I do not follow New Japan. It's hard to avoid New Japan because there's so many people who do follow New Japan, especially here in the States. It's gotten quite the following over the last I'll say uh, two or three years, it's really the awareness on the product has gotten huge. A lot of Americans uh, are really getting into the product, and they're starting to do dates here. They're starting to expand out. Before, you know, for a long time, I think that maybe that's the reason why we didn't really get too much of it. When I was a kid, we used to all be fans of Japanese wrestling, you know, All Japan Pro, and even the FMW promotions that were out there, the hardcore shit. You know, there were a lot of great promotions out there. And we used to get 
tapes. There used to be tapes of them. People used to tape them. They used to send them over to the States. We'd, we'd go down to Chinatown and buy a few of them. It was actually a pretty cool experience. But uh, that was back in the day. Now, obviously, we have the Internet. We have phones. It's much easier to get your product out of here and across the pond to these other audiences. And now they're... They're really about it. Before, they were very secretive about their shit. Now, they're very much all about it. They've been merging. Uh, we're having working relations with other companies, ex- talent exchanges. So, their legacy is pretty much set in Japan, obviously. But now, they're building a legacy here in the States. And, and I'm not against New Japan Pro Wrestling. I've just never really been a big fan of the product. But as luck would have it, something went down not too long ago, and I know for most of you, you already know, they had this show called The Dominion Show, and some history was made uh, on more than one occasion. I don't know why one is getting more attention than the other. I know that there's been this big buildup, but I think they should both be equally discussed, and I'm going to do that here. So the two big things that happened at this show, and I'll start with the main one, the one that everyone's talking about. Kenny Omega, the cleaner, walked away, finally. Well, he kind of hobbled away, <laughs> but he walked away with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship from New Japan uh, after defeating Okada in a two out of three falls match that went over, uh, uh, over I think, the, yeah, they went to a 60-minute draw, and then it continued on, and then Kenny finally won uh, the big one. That's it. He's won many titles, from what I understand, from New Japan, light heavyweight championship and the such. He's been the Intercontinental Champion. He was the first U.S. champion, if that makes any sense to you. Uh, a Canadian wrestler winning the U.S. championship at New Japan. <laughs> I mentioned that on a previous podcast, too. So, yeah, I sensed the irony then. But now he's won the big one. I guess that makes him a Grand Slam, right? I guess that makes him a Grand Slam. But now he's won the big one. Uh, Okada, who uh, was the defending champion, held that championship for over 700 days. I mean, the guy uh, is being considered one of the greatest IWGP champions of all time. I wouldn't know. I leave that to the experts, and the experts on New Japan are pretty much online saying, yeah, this guy was the man. He was built to be the man, and now uh, and now Omega is the man. Finally, after all this time, he's finally the man. So it's just going to fuel these Omega's the best in the world conversations that we've been having for forever. I don't believe he's one of the I, – I th- I'll tell you this. I don't believe he's the best in the world. But I do believe he's in the conversation. The guy is that talented. I've seen some great matches from him, and I'm not going to sit here and, and, and kill him because it wouldn't be fair and it wouldn't be right and it wouldn't be factual because he's actually really, really good. I do have a sense that he's very, very overrated. I don't think he's nearly as good as the way the people are making him out to be. There, there are people making it out to be like he's the greatest wrestler who's ever lived. Like this is the greatest time period in, ever in life where wrestling fans need to be alive to experience this Kenny Omega situation. He's a great performer. I've seen some of his stuff. That V-Trigger is sick. It's nasty. I love the way this guy performs. Greatest wrestler of all time. Best wrestler in the world right now. Uh, probably not. Not on my end. I'm not signing up for that. But I don't. you don't have to co-sign with me. That's just where I stand on this. So he he wins the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Congratulations to him. He, uh, I guess that put their puts their record at at uh what was it? It was one one and one or two two. He ends up with two one and one, something like that. You know, they were a very good rivalry between Omega and Okada. And uh, I don't know if that's the end of it. You know, Okada. I'm not sure how New Japan works with their championships. I'm not sure if Okada is owed a championship as a former champion. That might just be a WWE thing. I'm not sure. 
But uh, as soon as he won the championship, here come the rumors. Well, when is he coming to the WWE? And the, and the answer to that is, very simply put, he's not. Especially now that he's got the championship. He's not doing anything anytime soon, and God bless him. If he doesn't want to come to the WWE, that makes sense to me. I wouldn't want to come to the WWE either if I was on top of the fucking world of New Japan. Especially after all the work he put into getting there. I mean, the guy's been there for years. He's literally scratched and crawled his way to the top. It wouldn't make any sense to to just get to the top now and then all of a sudden show up at WrestleMania. That, that would just be dumb and foolish, and I don't think Omega is dumb and or foolish. He's got a good thing going. He's getting paid a ton of money to do what he's doing, and he's doing it his way, so I, I wouldn't leave either, especially to come to the WWE, because regardless of how you feel about Kenny Omega, believe me, when he goes to the WWE, they will break him down. They will break him down. Also taking the fact that he's a, 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 a failure as a developmental talent. He became a success outside of the WWE. You know how that goes. You know, you could look at the EC3 thing and say, well, maybe they'll forgive and forget. Yeah, we haven't seen the treatment of EC3 just yet. We'll see about that. But Kenny would be in a much similar situation. And at least the difference between Kenny and EC3, EC3 didn't shit on the company that much. He made his comments like all begrudging employees do. But he eventually let it go and went on his career. Kenny has never let it go. Kenny shits on the WWE daily. He even shits on the employees that are working there right now online. Him and Xavier Woods go at it almost daily every day. So that might play for a different tune. So if I were him, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely I would definitely just keep this momentum going. Because there's always there's more room to go up. He's finally the champion, so now he's got a chance to go against some of the best talent in the world, not just in Japan, and he'll prove his worth. We'll see what happens. Time will tell. But if you were to leave right now, I he I don't I don't know if he would treat him the way that you guys would. So you need you need to you need to definitely keep an eye on that. But Kenny Omega isn't the only one who walked away with gold at Dominion, which is the other part of the conversation that I'm not hearing a whole lot about, which is kind of sad to be honest with you because it should be discussed. And that's Chris Jericho going into New Japan, going to the Dominion show one on one with Naito, one of their more popular stars for the uh, I was going to say WWE <laughs> for the new for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, and guess who walked away? That's right, Y2J, the nine-time WWE Intercontinental Championship, so he knows something about Intercontinental titles, walked away with the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, defeating Naito and walking away with the gold, and to me, that's to me that's bigger news <laughs> than Omega. I know a lot of people were invested in the Omega deal, and that's fine. I, I get it. I'm not that invested because I haven't really seen it, but I am invested in Jericho. I've seen him my whole fucking life. So for him to walk away with a championship from another country for another promotion, especially one he hasn't really spent that much time in, uh, that's huge. And more importantly, defeating Naito. You know, the, Naito doing the job, doing the doing the favor for Jericho. And, uh, I mean, that just means that Jericho's not going anywhere, right? That he's going to be doing some more New Japan dates. Has to be. He's the champion. He's the Intercontinental Champion. And New Japan now giving the belt not only to Omega but Jericho really proving the fact that they're very serious about this expansion shit. Seemingly very, very serious about this expansion stuff. They got two Canadians rocking their two top belts. And they're they're planning on doing some shows out in the States. And they're really branching out here. One with extreme name power in Jericho. This guy's a, a draw anywhere he goes. 
which was a, a a good choice. And then, of course, Omega, who's been an internet sensation all around the world the last year or two. So those were very, very, very good choices. So if they're really planning on spreading out and really spreading their wings, man, those are two really good guys to go with. Again, was well, I, I did see the matches. I saw the match uh, with Okada and Omega, and I got to admit, it was a much better match than the other ones. Uh, the most overrated match of all time to this day, in my opinion, was their first match. And I remember sitting, I wasn't, uh, I believe I said it on the podcast, I'm not entirely sure. But I, I just thought it was an overrated match. There were so many things that I didn't like. This one was different, I think, because the chemistry was there. They're in the midst of telling another story than the first. Uh, you know, there was a culmination here. It, it was a bit of a ride. I like this one a lot more. Uh, and I like the Jericho Naito match as well. I think Jericho's been having some good matches over there. Not that great. You know, I think he's at that stage in his career where it's starting to wind down a little bit. But even it's funny because it, it, when you go back and you watch Jericho matches, it kind of it it gives you an indication of how great he really was. Because even a half speed Jericho is still miles ahead of so many other competitors competing right now. And that that it's sickening how good he was, and uh, and how good he really still is, in spite of the fact that he's the first guy I ever saw age and slow down. And I'm still watching his matches like, fuck, that was good. Like, he's become so smart in the way that he constructs his matches. Like, he's constructing his matches around his newfound limitations, and it's just great. And he's able to go in there with a lot of different guys and put on different matches. So, it's been a good time. Uh, those two matches I did see, and uh, I'm going to be honest with you, because people have been telling me, well, once you watch it, you'll be hooked. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. They were really good matches. Uh, is it was it enough for me to continue? I mean, to begin watching? No, <laughs> not regularly. But who knows? The door is open at this point. If I see more matches like that, or if I see more shows like that, maybe we'll see. I'll never be a subscriber of New Japan Pro World, but if I can catch matches here or there and enjoy the product a little bit more, hey, all power to you. Okay. Uh, some more wrestling news that's been going out there, and it's kind of not really wrestling news. And I'm a little behind on a lot of this stuff because, like I said, I've been gone for a little bit because I've been doing the health stuff. So I didn't get a chance to really comment on the goofiest shit I have ever in my life ever seen, but I loved it in a in a sadist kind of way. Liked it, like I liked it in a way of like <laughs> I kind of liked it, and that's the real one. Enzo Amore, formerly, you know, real, you know, Enzo Amore, now known as Real One, or formerly known as Enzo Amore, however you want to fucking frame it. This motherfucker came out with a rap video. Two rap videos, actually. There was a second one that dropped. Uh, rap videos concerning the, the rape charges in the WWE and a consensual penis. And uh, this, this dude is something else, yeah, for real. Oh my God! This dude is something else. I, I, you know, it's funny. He, he's, to me, he's like the equivalent of like the Housewives of Atlanta, or like the the was that the midget show? Was that little little people, big world, or some shit? Like the where the, where like the midgets are like the star of the show. Like Enzo is like a guilty pleasure. Like you know it's bad. You know he's bad. <laughs> you know it. But you just, it's just something about this dude where you just, you have to at least hear him out. 
<laughs> I saw the video like it clicked up, like as a as a, like a related link. The first one, Phoenix. I don't even know what the second one's called. I just know there's a second one. But the first one, Phoenix. <laughs> I saw what was it? World Star exclusive. World Star exclusive, brother. I how do you not click on this shit? I said first I saw him and then I saw World Star exclusive. So I went, oh my god, is he rapping? And I was like, this is gonna be great. And I clicked on it, and it was as terrible as I thought it was going to be, but it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Also, thanks to this video, I didn't know that you could rhyme so many words with shun, uh, T-I-O-N. I didn't realize how many of our vocabulary words uh, end it with that word or that uh, that suffix. I was like, man, that's uh, <laughs> that that that's that's talent right there. This guy was just writing. I, I can imagine him just blasted out of his mind, just writing words. It's like, all right, I have words. I have my rhymes. Now how do I figure out the sentences? And then for some of those lyrics, he didn't really figure out sentences. He just kind of jibber-jabbered around with a pen. Anywho, this guy is fucking crazy. This guy is amazing. And I'm just hearing now that his first uh, wrestling date now, his indie wrestling date, and I don't think he's wrestling. I think he's appearing in God, I really hope he's not wrestling, but House of Glory, my old stomping ground here in New York, has decided to bite the bullet and bring him in, and I'm sure he's being, right now I think he's being announced as a as appearing, but, um, you know, uh, I really hope he's not wrestling, because, because reasons, I don't know, I, I don't want to see him wrestling. Uh, I used to be the commentator, play by play for House of Glory, and I can tell you right now, I would not have enjoyed calling that one, if, if he if he would have been performing but yeah, that 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 was bad. That was very, 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 very bad. Listen, I grew up in New York. I I know people who are in the the rap game or in the rap scene here. And let me tell you, we we laughed our asses off. So some of us were very inebriated when we saw it. I know I was. And man, I giggle. First of all, that opening too. I forgot about that. That opening with the fat dude on the chair, and he's like, "Nah, I'm watching the 25th anniversary." I was like, wow, is he really going to shit on wrestling fans? The only fan base he has is wrestling fans, and he's shitting on wrestling fans. So I was like, all right, cool. Cool cool story, bro. That's awesome stuff. You can teach people a heel hook. You can teach people how to kick them in the head so it's shin bone to the dome when your mama ain't home. Shin bone to the dome till your mama gets home. That's Daniel Bryan right there, and we are transitioning to money in the bank. Because a lot, of thing, a lot of things are going down at Money in the Bank this Sunday, Father's Day, June 17th, Chicago, Illinois. Daniel Bryan, quick promo on Big Cass as they suit up for their one-on-one matchup this Sunday at Money in the Bank. That's uh, This is a full card, by the way. This is a full card, way too full. A lot of stuff going on. All the pay-per-views nowadays are just too goddamn long. There's just too much going on. But Daniel Bryan and Big Cass one-on-one this Sunday. Seth Rollins versus Elias for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn. Dear God in heaven, the buildup for this matchup has been legendary. It's a legendary buildup. It's the stuff everyone's talking about. Obstacle courses and transgender people and accusations thrown about. This has been fantastic. I can't wait for the payoff, the singles match at Money in the Bank. The Bludgeon Brothers will defend the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship against Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, Roman Reigns, and my Maharaja, which shouldn't be a long match. 
uh, Mahal should make quick work of this jabron known as Roman Reigns. It should be nice and easy, leading him up to his eventual. You know, it, it's kind of sad. They're trying so hard to keep Mahal out of the universal title picture so bad they can't even have him in Money in the Bank because it's too easy a prediction. If he was in Money in the Bank, this would be a no a no-brainer. But Jinder's not in the money of the bank. Singles match, Roman Reigns. He should make quick work of the Samoan man himself. Uh, Carmella and Asuka for the WWE Women's SmackDown Championship. On the Raw women's side, Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey. Uh, the WWE Championship will be on the line in a last man standing match. AJ Styles defending against Nutcracker. The dig puncher himself. Master of the cock punch, Shinsuke Nakamura. And, of course, you have your two ladder matches, the women's ladder match. Ember Moon, Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Lana, Naomi, Sasha Banks. And in the men's side, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, The Miz, Rusev, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and one member of the New Day. It's still TBA, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods. The prognosis for this matchup? is very confusing the men's letter match anyway is very very confusing not just because there's a mystery of who that last person is going to be but you can take your predictions in a lot of different directions here the fact that they haven't announced a new day member could lead you to believe that perhaps they might be going with the rumor that kofi kingston could be finally getting this long-awaited push and by long-awaited i mean by kofi because i don't know if everyone's on board with a world title or a main event scene push for Kofi Kingston. Where does that leave the New Day? If that should happen, I think everyone's kind of on the same page with the New Day where they're kind of cool, they're kind of interesting, but they're also kind of been around for a long time. It's time for something new for those guys. Something new for them to do. Yeah, the, the, the picks here are all over the place. Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Miz, Rusev. I mean, there's a lot of different options here. Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens. My... Uh, my pick, I think the guy who absolutely needs to win the money in the bank is Samoa Joe. I've been I've been saying that privately with my friends for a while. It needs to be Joe. When they gave us the Joe Bryan match and then turned it into Joe Bryan Cass, I got nervous because I thought I thought that was their way of squeaking Cass into this. And uh, and if not to be to be fair, had Cass been involved, I probably would have picked Cass, but he's not. It's Joe. So I'm going to go with Joe. I think Joe needs to win the Money in the Bank. I need, I think his career will will take a completely different turn should he win Money in the Bank. And not even cash in right away. Just hold that briefcase. Just be that looming, shadowy menace hanging over the Universal title for a while. The women's uh, Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, there are quite a few women in this matchup that have no business in this matchup. Not because I don't think they'll provide anything entertainment-wise. I just I don't see them needing the money in the bank. Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, uh, Bliss excuse me, uh, even Naomi to a degree uh, don't need the money in the bank briefcase. They get title matches all the fucking time. Uh, Sasha Banks being in this matchup, I mean, another one who probably doesn't need it to get a championship. That leaves me down with uh, with the Ember Moon, Lana, and Natalia, and maybe even Becky. I think, not for nothing, but I do think Becky needs to win this. I really do. I think Becky needs this. Becky's been doing the favors for a while. Uh, there's no doubt about that. She's been a team player. She's 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 down for whatever, and I think sometimes that can be mis- misused. It happens a lot in this business. The guys who are usually down for whatever are usually the guys that don't get to the top because they're down for whatever. The promoters just use them for 
all types of purposes and never really to be on top. The, the only time that really happens is the Lifetime Achievement Award, which I think she already received because I believe she was the first women's SmackDown champion from the split, uh, uh, brand split. So she's already kind of gotten that nod as one of the top women on SmackDown. I don't know if they're going to give her that opportunity, but yeah, I mean, based on everyone who's here, she definitely needs to be the one who wins. So those are my two predictions for the Money in the Bank ladder match. I won't be doing predictions for the rest because, quite frankly, I just I just want to see it unfold. This isn't a prediction show. Actually, Money in the Bank, talking about Money in the Bank is going to take me in a different direction. I just wanted to bring up what the card was for this year and for the two important matches, which are the, the two ladder matches. The last man standing match, obviously, is also very important, but we all know how this goes. Uh, punch to the dick, punch to the dick, uh, Hurricane Rana. Phenomenal forearm, punch to the dick, punch to the dick, punch to the dick. Status clash attempt, counter, of course, with punch to the dick. There will be a, a Kyle Rebel tie-up 10 minutes in. I don't know why, but it will be countered with yet another kick to the dick. Uh, actually, that will be the first kick of the dick of the match. They've run all punches. I think toward the end, their arms will have fatigued from all the cock punching and revert to kicks to the dick, which we did see in the last match. That's how the last match ended. Dual kicks to the dick. Well, that, I, that neither man could, could rise and recover from. So um, this is a, a last man standing match as opposed to the last match, which, which, is, which was an all punches to the dick are legal match. This one's last man standing, which means after you punch him in the dick, he has to rise to his feet. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. It's an important matchup, and I'm sure that AJ's testicles have been training hard and they're prepared for this match. I think his dick and balls are prepared for this matchup wwe championship on the line as well as as his virility if there's one guy in the wwe who really doesn't need his genitals anymore i guess it would be aj he's got a whole litter of styles kids at the house so if he was looking if this uh, maybe that's the swerve the reason why he's been punching aj in the dick so many times is because wendy decided that she was done procreating she's like ah go ahead for storyline purposes, just keep repeating. If you could hit the bag directly, that'd be great. Which is why he's doing the underhook, the old, uh, the old WrestleMania 2000 in uh, 64 China low blow when you hit underneath straight up with the bell. Bing. That's what. Uh, that's what we're probably going to see. Uh, I promise you, the finishing move for that matchup will be the punch to the dick, or the uh, European uppercut to the dick, or a straight kick to the dick. The dick will be the downfall of one of these men. And I've said it on the last podcast, and I'll say it again in all seriousness. If Shinsuke Nakamura does not win the WWE Championship here, he will not be winning it at all. Um, he's had multiple opportunities in the past with previous champions. This is his first program for the title. If the ending of this is him not walking away with the belt, he will not win the belt. Shinsuke Nakamura will not be WWE champion. At best, they will give him a secondary championship, and they'll always keep him in the program. They'll always keep him at the top. But if he if he does not win it here, uh, I I just it would be I, I would be it would be very difficult to see him win it somewhere else down the line against a lesser opponent. So, and anybody, let's be honest, anybody besides AJ Styles at this point on the SmackDown roster being the champion, he would be defeating a lesser opponent. This this would be the opportunity here. So. Who knows, with New Japan doing what they did this past week or so, with all their title changes and everything they've been doing, the noise they've been making in the all-in pay-per-view. Well, we're thinking it's a pay-per-view. I, I, I misspoke. It's, it might be iPay-per-view. They're trying to figure that out. As of right now, it's just a show. But with all this stuff going on, you know, Shinsuke being on top, may or may, I, you know, I, I, like to, I like to think that perhaps with all this stuff going on with New Japan, it might have hurt Shinsuke's chances. I don't know what all of the success that New Japan's had this week if they want to put the New Japan guy on top. 
that 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 might be that you know I, I don't think that that vindictive, but I also think that they are that petty, you know. So they're gonna sit here and say, "Well, our guy just won a New Japan title, so maybe we'll make their guy win a WWE title." I don't know with Jericho winning, so we'll see. There's a lot of different directions that can go, but I do guarantee dicks will be punched, tears will be shed, and children will be crying. Uh, but that's the current Money in the Bank situation. Now, Money in the Bank has had. Uh, I counted. I went to Google and did some counting. The winner of this Money in the Bank uh, contract for the men will be the 18th uh, Money in the Bank winner. Uh, so there have been 17 other ones. So if you've been following my social media, once again, if you want to go to Facebook and go to the Orsini's Uncensored Mind official group, I put up a poll in said group. And I listed all of the Money in the Bank winners, and I asked the question. It was a very direct and specific question, which some people got lost on, so I had to explain. But it's a very simple and direct question. Whose career, of all the winners, whose career did the Money in the Bank affect and change the most? Who gained the most from winning Money in the Bank? That was a very, that's a very simple question. Who not? I don't want to know who the best wrestler is. I don't know who has the most charisma. I don't want to know who your favorite wrestler is. After winning the Money in the Bank, all right, which means you have to disinclude, if that's a word, if you have to like just ignore the fact of everything that happened before Money in the Bank, right? Look at their status the minute they won the briefcase. What their situation was on the card when they won the briefcase, and then look at their career after. Okay, and see if they turn that around. All right, let's see. And I just wanted to know who people thought the money in the bank, uh, whose career the money in the bank really, really changed. So, for those of you who have not checked it out, I will list them very quickly for you right now. 2005 was Edge, 2006, Rob Van Dam. And I'm not going to keep saying the years, but it's from 2005. So, we have Rob Van Dam, Mr. Kennedy, CM Punk twice. This is very important. He won an 08 and 09, WrestleMania 24 and WrestleMania 25. Keep that one in mind. So Jack Swagger won, uh, Kane and The Miz, Daniel Bryan, Alberto Del Rio, Ziggler, Cena, Sandow, Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, Sheamus, Dean Ambrose, and Baron Corbin for last year. Baron Corbin. So those are your Money in the Bank winners. I posted the post, and I don't even need to really go back and look at it because the far and away winners of the poll was uh, CM Punk and Edge, but between the two, CM Punk came out the winner. Now, out down on the uh, in the group, when we were having the, the, the vote, I had mentioned that if anybody wanted to place a comment underneath the, the vote to kind of give me an idea or a sense of why they voted the way that they did, uh, that I, I would discuss the things because it's funny that CM Punk and Edge were far and away the winners. They were far and away the winners. I find it funny because it's not, it's not the pick that I would have. That wasn't my pick, as far as my choice of who who I think the money in the bank most affected. And I was looking over some of the ones, uh, some of the comments that were here. Astro Morales uh, from right here in New York. Edge, he picked Edge. Look at all the championship reigns he got after cashing in, went from a mid-carder that never quite got to the top to being the top heel for the company, which accumulating reign after reign with awesome feuds with Cena, Taker, Jericho, and Kerry SmackDown. That was a very good reason to pick Edge. And Edge and Punk are smart picks, but not my pick. Let's go down here. Uh, Christopher Guar... I don't want to say your name. Gardino? I'm just going to say Gardino. 
he he kind of picked Edge and Rollins. He had a reason for for all of them. Punk was great, but his eventual rise to that top level came after his Money in the Bank cash-ins. Both of those title runs, he wasn't treated great. Edge and Rollins, especially Edge, really made it a part of who they were as characters and look uh, themselves to, and took themselves to the next level. Uh, there were a lot of Edge and Punk picks here. A lot of uh, my, my, my buddy here who's been on the show before, Brandon Luce, uh, chose Ram Van Dam because he's, you know, for the whole Mr. And the Mr. Money in the Bank thing and how his legacy has carried on, which is a good good idea, but it's not really related to his particular career. I wouldn't choose Rob Van Dam either because Rob is actually on the opposite end of that spectrum. I really think the money, <laughs> I think the money in the bank is the exact moment his career went to shit. Uh, everything fell off a cliff for him. He won Money in the Bank and did unify titles. He unified ECW and WWE titles. But then he got arrested and immediately stripped. Um, he was on the shit list after that. There was some wellness policy shit, and eventually he was released and sent to the developmental known as TNA. So I, I wouldn't do that. There was a couple of those. If you look at it, like uh, uh, Jack Swagger is another one whose career went to shit after he won. Uh, Baron Corbin was last year's winner. It helped him zero. It helped him zero. None. Look at Ziggler's career after catching in. One of the best cash-ins of all time. That huge pop and nothing. Then there was those guys who were kind of unnecessarily wanted. You know, Sheamus, uh, Orton, Cena, guys who already had these great careers before they won Money in the Bank and, and nothing. And then we have those those mistake cash-ins. Look at the cash-ins that didn't work out. Corbin, uh, Sandow's in there. Cena was, was the first. Of course he was the first. He was the only one of the list that can sustain the first Money in the Bank failure. So there's a lot of ways you can go with this. Uh, a lot of guys had a lot of good picks. Thank you guys for participating in the poll. But my pick, the reason why I did this is because I, I, think, this is, I think this goes in a different direction. The person that I really think it helped the most was Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan did come in third place, actually. I'm looking at the votes now. He only, by only like a vote or two, it was like Bryan and The Miz. My pick was Daniel Bryan, and here's why. Edge and CM Punk are great picks because they were the two most historic Money in the Bank winners. Both of them cashed in two briefcases, which makes Edge's situation a little different, obviously. CM Punk won too many in the banks. He successfully cashed in um, his Money in the Banks, uh, and, excuse me, Money in the Bank contracts. One of them was Edge, uh, the other being Jeff Hardy. And Edge cashing in two Money in the Bank's uh, contracts, one that he won when he cashed in on Cena, and the other one that he stole, you know, the equal opportunist crap, when uh, Kennedy was legit hurt. Kennedy was the 06 winner, and he's the only Money in the Bank winner to never get a chance to cash it in because he lost it to Edge. Uh, the very next SmackDown, Edge uh, cashed it in on The Undertaker, and the rest was history. That's when the whole equal opportunist thing started. So an, an, an argument is you could very well argue for Punk and, and Edge, and I don't think you've got too bad of a case here. But uh, I choose Daniel Bryan. I choose Daniel Bryan because of the exact successes that Edge and Punk had. The, the successes that Edge and Punk had after winning Money in the Bank, after those two cash-ins, it sent them off into the stratosphere, and that's fine. That's good. I give Money in the Bank the credit for that, but... I am of the belief because someone in the group, I, I, I think he was Ryan Blair. Let me check again. Let me check again. I'm going to look. I already have it up in front of me. I'm going to check it again. If I'm not mistaken, yes, Ryan Blair. Uh, Ryan Bear. 
In my opinion, it did the most for Edge. I strongly doubt he would have become world champion otherwise, and while the same might be said of Brian and Ziggler, Edge's character became the ultimate opportunities to win several more world titles after that. That is the exact opposite of the argument that I would be making, which is why I picked Daniel Bryan, because I don't think Edge needed the money in the bank. Neither did CM Punk. Those guys are so talented. Those guys are so good. I refuse to believe. I refuse, refuse to believe that those two would not have gotten a shot in any other venue. A King of the Ring win, a Royal Rumble win, whatever the case may be, a push to the main event scene would have worked for either one of them prior to winning Money in the Bank. They were already finding themselves in high-profile situations, Edge in the street fight with Shawn Michaels, CM Punk in a very similar situation, competing for the Intercontinental title and competing on top of the card. These guys were already on the cusp. So the belief... Of, well, I don't think they would have done it without Money in the Bank. I actually strongly disagree. I, I think those two would have been main adventures regardless. Look at the body of work. Look at the skill set. Both great talkers. Both great workers. Both being able to coach behind the scenes. Those guys would have been stars regardless. They would have been given the shot. Now, Punk got the shot kicking and screaming. I don't think they wanted Punk to be... Uh, a top guy and i'm gonna get the punk in a little bit that's our main event for the evening folks i got something stored up for you but we're gonna we're gonna continue we're gonna focus on this for right now and i don't think they really wanted punk to be that guy but he had the ability and he had the connection with the audience to do so but that's what i'm saying that's the shit you can't teach okay that's the stuff you can't teach punk and edge had that they were going to be stars they just were there's no way around that daniel bryan on the other hand now, if you're a Ring of Honor guy, if you're an indie guy, you're probably going to sit there and say, well, Daniel Bryan has the same thing those guys had. Obviously, he would. No, 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 no. Punk and Edge had looks. They had something that Vince McMahon could market and where he was okay putting out there. Nobody in the WWE was a huge fan of Daniel Bryan when he came in. None. Unless you worked with Daniel previously, unless you had a history with him back in the day, there was no, there was no history there. I mean, excuse me, there was there was no favoritism there. He was not big on anybody's list. He was the little he was the indie guy with the big following and the and, and, and the big reputation. And they signed him because he's the guy that everybody, okay, well, you gotta sign Dan, Brian Danielson. He's the man. He's the next guy. And then he came to the WWE and he did the NXT season and he was floundering. He was eliminated from NXT. And then they signed him, and he became a part of the group. And then they kept him on, and everyone championed his name. That's how it all. That's how we got his job back. Remember, he was fired. Yeah, the bow tie was a dumb reason to fire somebody, but they were looking for a reason to fire him. They didn't want him. They didn't like him. They didn't see anything special about him. And to be honest, he wasn't doing anything special. So they they chanted his name every show. It was you know the small sections. You know they. People like to make this big argument like every arena erupted for Daniel Bryan. That wasn't true because I went to a few shows personally. I went to buildings during that time period where no one chanted for him. It was the big buildings, Chicago, New York, you know, the places where they're always the loudest, right? Chanting for Daniel Bryan. Got to sign Daniel Bryan back. So they signed Daniel Bryan back. Big, what was it? A big 10... 10-man tag or 20, whatever the fuck. All those legends against the NXT roster. and Yeah, 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 yeah. Anywho, they bring him back, and they got him in a storyline with the Bellas. He, they made him a, what was it, a vegan, no TV having nerd. They didn't know what the fuck to do with this fucking guy. All they knew is that they had this audience. 
It was a section. It wasn't a whole audience. Not everybody was into him, but he had that one section. From his reputation and his time traveling the world, he had a fan base. So they just tried to capitalize it, capitalize on it, I should say. So that's where Money in the Bank comes in. Because he was a shock win. Be honest. That Money in the Bank that he was a part of, and I'll pull it up now. I'll pull it up now. It's right. I get it in two seconds because I have the list right in front of me. Here we go. Here we go. It was 2011, Money in the Bank pay-per-view. It was the SmackDown uh, World Heavyweight Championship ladder match. Wade Barrett, Kane, Cody Rhodes, Sheamus, Sankara, Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, and Daniel Bryan. Are you fucking telling me that at that time, 2011, with Wade Barrett, with Sheamus, at that time, Cody Rhodes, Kane, that Daniel Bryan was the overwhelming favorite? Fuck no, he wasn't. Nobody really thought. They they knew he was going to be in the match, because he's a great worker. You got to put him in that match. He deserved to be in the top spot there. But when? No, 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 no. No one. No one. I, I defy anyone to tell me they really thought for uh, for for cereal that he was going to win that match. Now, you can tell me that you wanted him to win the match. There were a lot of those. Oh, man, I, I really hope Daniel Bryan will win the match. But no one thought to themselves, yeah, Daniel Bryan's going to win that match. No one did. It didn't happen. After he won Money in the Bank, he held money. The, he held that contract for 154 days. The first cash-in win was against Mark, uh, Mark Henry, but that was nullified. Something had happened. I forgot what went down with that, but they, they, they gave him his briefcase back. Uh, and then it was the first time a cash-in had ever been reverted back. They actually, they, I forgot what the exact reason was, and I probably should have looked it up, but I, I'm, I'm almost sure it was something ridiculous, and they gave him the briefcase back. Then he cashed it in on the, on the big show. Cashed it on the big show. Little Daniel Bryan cashed it on the big show. And that was it. He was off and running after that. He was world's heavyweight champion. People started to see him different. That first run was not exactly spectacular, especially the way that it ended, 18 seconds at WrestleMania. But you know what? He got to WrestleMania with the belt. And that's when everything changed because that's when the yes chant started. That's when the yes chant started. And the yes chant started because he was being obnoxious. It was a complete character change. From the moment he won the briefcase, it was a complete character change. The yes thing started, and he was being a heel. He was being a dick. And then once he lost the 18 seconds, people were mocking him with the yeses until he reverted to the noes. And that's when Team Hell No started, and we were off and running. His career has never been the same. He's reached heights since Money in the Bank that he's never reached before, and that was including when he was the Ring of Honor World Champion. And he went from the little guy that you know people were kind of okay on, it wasn't really sold, to the face of the company. I could make a strong argument that when he was at his hottest, no one touched him. He was the man. You know, Punk, Punk, you can make an argument that he wasn't really the guy. Even when he was the champion 434 days, he wasn't really the guy. That was the argument a lot of people made because he was still splitting time and still secondarying John Cena's main events. Edge was the same. He was never really the guy. He was the guy on SmackDown, sure. He was leading the charge on the blue brand, but for the overall WWE, he wasn't the guy. Daniel was the guy. There was nobody meeting him on the, on, on the market. He was making the most money on the merch. He was selling out arenas. He was doing the thing, pulling the damn wagon, as they always like to say. Pulling the damn wagon, as they like to say. He was the man up until the injury. He had two major ones. The first one he came back from, but then the second one is the one that he was out for three years, and he just recently came back. Sans injuries, he would have been the guy for a long, long time. That's a change around. That's money in the bank changing an entire career around. There's not many guys on this list like it. 
Kennedy was a flop. Swagger was a flop. Kane, Kane didn't really need it. Kane was already a legend before that. The Miz, you can make an argument that it put him on that scene, but that he lost momentum. He went down, and then he came back up. Daniel never went down. He went up and 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 up until eventually he was through the stratosphere. Del Rio, trashed. His career went to trash. Ziggler, trash. Sandow, trash. Randy Orton didn't really need it. Seth Rollins, uh, Seth Rollins, you can put up there because his cashing was so goddamn legendary. But another one who uh, who made the most of his opportunity, became a true main eventer, and then got hurt. He was out. He was out and then dipped. He lost momentum. He just recently got that momentum back. Now he's like one of the top guys. He's on his way to being the guy in a, in a little bit. Sheamus in 2015, that was a disgrace. That whole run after was a disgrace. Even the championship run that literally no one remembers. Dean Ambrose, I mean, the Dean Ambrose, uh, I haven't spoken about Dean Ambrose, but that, that could have been a, that could have been a great cash-in, but it, 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 it ended up being nothing. It ended up being nothing. In the end, it ended up being nothing. He became the WWE champion. He was the guy who was having great matches, and then the momentum just cooled off. AJ was the new hot thing. They switched it over. They gave Jinder the heel run, and they eventually just moved Dean to Raw, put him back in the shield for literally no reason. Gigantic waste of everyone's time, and then uh, he got hurt, and we haven't seen him since, so. Jerry's out on that. And Baron Corbin, I'm not even going to touch. So Daniel Bryan, to me, clear-cut winner on that. He's the best Money in the Bank winner of all time, in my opinion. Okay, but in spite of the fact that he was the greatest Money in the Bank winner of all time, there's another Money in the Bank winner I want to talk about right now. Another Money in the Bank winner that we need to discuss. It's very important that we discuss this man because he had a big week. He had a big week in his hometown of Chicago, Illinois. Look in my eyes, what do you see? Personality. I haven't heard that song in so long. I just wanted to play it real quick because I was getting hyped just thinking about that shit. I haven't heard that song in forever. But if you heard it on Saturday... If you heard that song on Saturday, you heard other sounds following it. The sounds of, of, of ouchie and help me and the sound of, of the pitter-patter of weird roundhouse kick feet. Uh, this was a weird, a weird one. This was a weird week for the, sick, for the second city saint over here. He had a, he had a rough go <laughs> on Saturday, but he came into Saturday a winner. So let's get started with that. Okay, let's get started with that. I don't have much time now because the Money in the Bank stuff took up a lot of my time. But don't worry. This is, this is all late stuff. I'm coming to this late because, again, I've been busy. So I'm not going to get too, do, too into detail about some of this stuff. But for those of you who do not know, CM Punk and Colt Cabano, old buddies who are rumored to have been Splitsville for a while now. But they were, uh, they were seated next to each other this week as, uh, as they went to court. They went to court as the defense prosecution of course dr chris is it amon amon i think it's amon can i say amon i'm gonna say amon because it reminds me of that lady from Matt tv you're looking like a man that's his name amon uh dr chris amon was seeking eight million dollars in damage as he took them to court for defamation 
They were defamation. He was calling those two guys dirty, filthy liars to the point where he decided it was a cool idea to take these motherfuckers to court. Now, here's the deal with this. So, <laughs> the defense attorney, Laurie McNally, uh, who was uh, CM Punk and Cole Cabana's uh, defense lawyers, all went to court. And I don't know what was presented. I, I tried looking it up, but I really couldn't find anything because in order for you to get a court case started, when you want to press charges or you want to you know, uh, sue somebody, you have to bring evidence to court to to support your case and a judge has to agree to see said case. So I don't know what was placed in front of the judge by Dr. Aman and his people to get this case even started. But the end result where I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead and give you the finish here is the end result was is that Dr. Aman lost his fucking case. CM Punk and Colt Cabana will come out winners. Now, if you want to call them winners because they didn't have to cough up eight mil, they are definitely winners, but they still owe thousands of dollars in the hole for legal legal fees and representation and yada, 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 yada. So all this stems from uh, CM Punk obviously left the WWE in 2014. He left while still under contract uh, because he was sick and because he no longer wanted to be there. Put a bunch of reasons on a dartboard and throw a dart. It's probably one of whatever the fuck it lands on. But the end result was his, uh, on the podcast. That's where everything kind of comes out of control there. A few months later, uh, after his contract had officially expired and he was no longer bound legally to the WWE, he took the time to go on his boys' podcast, the Art of Wrestling podcast, hosted by your main man, Boom Boom Colt, uh, Classic Colt Cabana. And on episode 226, it was also, Punk was also on 227, but on episode 226, CM Punk uh, did a uh, did an episode there where he told his side of the story on his departure from the WWE and what his plans were for after the fact. And a lot of the reasons that he gave on that podcast, if you want to check it out, you, uh, you're always free to, uh, is uh, an illness. He had multiple illnesses. He was sick. He was shitting himself in the ring. He had a cyst on his back, which is a, a, a almost like a pus-filled bubble on his back that he claims was right on the lower back just above the butt where his gear uh the gear lining would be um he had a litany of fucking problems and the doctor and the and the staff were not only of no fucking help they just seemed utterly fucking clueless as to how to help uh the infamous story about the z-packs there's a lot of things going on there if you want to check the episode out it's almost two hours it's a hell of a listen because this fucking guy goes in even when he's shooting the guy is a fucking amazing storyteller but the end result was is he said some pretty not-so-cool shit about Dr. Uh, Amon, including, and this was the part that was brought up in the court case, the Royal Rumble, which was Punk's last pay-per-view. He was in the Royal Rumble match. I think it was one, if I'm not mistaken, and he went all the way to the end. And uh, somewhere down that line, he had received a concussion in the match. He rolls to the side and calls for the physician. The physician comes over. Punk tells the guy, I got a fucking concussion. And Dr. Amon looks him in the face and says, well, what do you want me to do about it? To which point, Pung, of course, just chuckles and laughs and rolls his concussed ass right back into the ring to do what, to do what he does best. And that was kind of a, an illustration of what we're dealing with here when it comes to the Stark medical team here over here at WWE. There are a lot of reports that are out there. You can go to any website right now that's covering this case. It's pretty much been an open book. I can tell you about all the text messages that Dr. Aman uh, breached the HIPAA 
agree, uh, uh, rules and regulations with. I can uh, texting back and forth with Chris Jericho. I can tell you about the fact that the one side tried to prove that assist on Punk's back didn't exist, and one side tried to prove that it did. There's a million different things with this case that you can go ahead and break down. Everyone's already ana analyzed it to death. I'm not going to sit here and do that. But I will say this. The reason why I really wanted to talk about this, really, really, really wanted to talk about this, is because there's still a large section of fans who keep with this quitter bullshit. Quitter bullshit is what it is. They keep calling him a quitter. He's a quitter. Fuck him. He's not a quitter. Yes, did he quit his job? Did he, did he leave while he was under contract? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But when you fight for as long as he has, for everything that he got, including down to the wire, down to the, the last fleeting days, when you have such a passion for the business and then have it beaten out of you day in and day out, day, day, day in and, and night out, to have that passion beaten out of you by your employer, it's something you have to consider, okay? There are a lot of people in this world that have to work jobs they don't like because they've got to get pay the bills. They don't have a choice. Hard work, passion, dedication, all those things get you a fucking choice. He didn't like the way things were going. He didn't like the way he was feeling. He didn't like the way his life was. So he made a fucking decision and he quit his fucking job and he went fucking home, which is the same fucking thing. Honestly, all, all of you should fucking do. You should never put yourself in a position like that where your health is in danger, where your employer is digging you into the ground and you have no choice. Just keep telling yourself, well, my daddy did it, so I got to do it. No, that's not how that fucking works. It's not a matter of quitting. It's a matter of doing what's right for you. And you know what this case really means? This case really means that he wasn't lying. He won in the defense of a defamation suit. He wasn't lying. They were fucking with him. They were fucking with him. They were leaving him out in the wind. His health was in danger. Okay? The staph infection, the dizziness, the Z-packs, the shitting himself on the European tour, all these different things fucking happening. His health was collapsing. And every time he fucking took time off, it was cut short. Got to get back to work, right? Got to get back to the grind. You're the WWE champion. 434 days. Get your ass back on the road. Even when he lost the fucking belt, what was the exact words he used? Man, when I drop this belt, I'm a ghost. I'm gone. You know how long he was gone? What, two months? Well, we're back in Chicago, punk. I need a draw. But you guys want to sit there and you guys want to call him a quitter. And I know why. I know the real reason why. Not the reason that you guys give because that's a fake reason. Huh? He quit on us. That's the reason you guys get high quit on us. First of all, a person's employment has shit, jack shit to do with any of you. Fans are important. Fans drive the business. We do what we do for fans. But there's a fucking line. That line somewhere around the humanity line. Somewhere along the line, you got to be a goddamn human being and make the decisions you need to make. End of goddamn story. If you're not brave enough, if you're not smart enough, if you're not keen enough or in a position to make that decision, that's on you. Just because you have to sit through your job every fucking day doesn't mean everybody else has to. I've never once in my entire fucking life sat through a fucking job. I absolutely fucking hate it because I absolutely had to fucking be there. If I was miserable at my job and we made the fucking plans, my wife and myself made the fucking plans necessary to get away from that shit. That's what we fucking did. That's how we handled it. And that's how he fucking handled it. 
they were fucking with him. This is this is it right here. The doctor went out there and said, no, we weren't careless. We weren't careless. We took care of him. He was just being a dick. And it's a believable story. You know why? Because that's the real reason you guys are fucking mad at CM Punk. That's the real fucking reason that you guys call him a quitter all the fucking time. That, that's the real reason. You know what the real reason is? He's an asshole. That's the real reason. Personal friends, employers, acquaintances, people that he's worked with over the years all come out and say the same thing. He's a hard ass. He's hard to work with. He's emotional. He's like almost bipolar, flipping on people. He cuts people off for no fucking reason, yada, yada, yada. He's a dick. And because he's a dick, he can't get the public sympathy. That's what it is. That's what it really is. You see a guy who's an asshole getting his just desserts and you're getting your rocks off. You're sitting here moisturizing yourself and just fucking choking that chicken at the idea that somebody who's a dick, somebody who's an asshole, somebody who has a tendency of treating people like shit is getting his just desserts by the WWE, by his employer. It's the same thing you do at your job, right? The guy who's an asshole all the time, the guy who's a jerk, the boss comes in and rings him out in front of everybody, and you fucking have an erection for the remainder of the shift. That's how, that's how you fucking get off. You don't have the balls to do anything about it, but you love the fact that his superiors use that little bit of power they had over him to do it. You guys love that shit. So that's what this situation is here. It's got jack shit to do with him quitting on his career, quitting on his dream. Fuck that. Same thing, he quit on us. He quit on us, the fans. Do you pay his rent? Do you pay his health benefits? Are you taking him to the hospital and picking him up after surgery? Are you doing any of these things? Are you doing these things for any of your favorite fucking performers? We're human fucking beings, and yes, I'm with me myself personally. I am willing to go to the top of a goddamn 30 foot ladder and fall through a goddamn table for your entertainment. But there are lines. And the fact that you can't recognize where those lines are, that's your fucking problem. This whole ordeal about him just being a quitter. He's a quitter. He quit. He didn't quit. He made a fucking decision that apparently, based on the evidence presented in a court of fucking law, saved his goddamn life. What would have happened? What would have fucking happened had he continued to go on and he injured himself permanently? Or worse, died in the fucking ring? Would you be paying the funeral service? Are you taking care of AJ Lee for the rest of her life? No, you're not, right? You're going to go on to the next fucking guy and make sure he kills himself for your fucking entertainment. So, listen, let's not live in this fantasy world, okay, where all of a sudden you guys are the end-all, be-all judge and executioner of somebody else's life. You pay your money, your hard-earned money to see, to pay for a ticket to go see a wrestling event. You don't own anybody. And no, one, no one owes you shit. That's the way that this goes. It's been like this for forever. This is why people want autographs. This is why people want pictures. This is why people want to hear stories to be a part of the wrestler's life. But if you're going to be a part of somebody's life, you have to respect their fucking decisions. A wrestler is no different from any other person in life. In life. You are in control of your own shit. You are not in control of other people's shit. And the thought process that you can go on social media and bash a fucking guy you don't know for a decision that saved his life is disgusting. It's disgusting and you actually should be fucking ashamed of yourself because you don't know the fucking scenario. We're just now, just now, he left in 2014. We're just now getting all of the facts out of the way. Sure, Punk had a story that he spun. The doctor had a story he spun too. All right, if you look at the court case and everything he did, this guy was handing out Z-Packs to so many people, he didn't even have full records. This guy didn't keep track of the medication he was handing out. 
So the whole story about handing him out like fucking M&Ms, it's believable. According to the judge, he bought that story. You know why? There's no fucking, man, there's no records of it. He was just handing shit out like Desperado with a little gun belt, just handing out shit. And I have another question for you. Maybe it's something you should fucking ponder about. Because CM Punk, that's so 2014. Let's talk about 2018. Okay? CM Punk is a former WWE champion, main event guy, 434 days top of the card. He was one of the guys pulling this wagon. And at the height, the height of his fucking success, he couldn't get the doctor to check out a fucking lump on his back. That's the WWE champion. Top guy. So if the top guy can't be seen by the medical physician, what makes you think the guy opening up for 205 Live, he's going to get the medical attention he needs? What, what are the odds of that happening? You think if fucking Kalisto walks up to the physician, he, the, the, the doctor's just going to drop everything and look at Kalisto? You really think that's going to happen? No, brother, that's not going to happen. This medical situation is bigger than CM Punk. CM Punk had the balls to uncover some stuff just because it was his own personal situation, but you got to think bigger than that. Are we having a problem now with our medical team at the WWE? The wellness, pro- uh, the wellness policy seems to work just fine. They can piss test you at a drop of a dime, but God forbid you have some sort of fucking medical situation that's real super serious. And if you're going to spin the story well, the WWE superstars get seen and, 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 and the medical team is A1 when it comes to those things. Well, that's fine. I mean, if you want to present the evidence and support that, that's fine, but then what happened with Punk? What happened with Punk? I'll tell you what happened with Punk. Either you're seeing everybody. No, let me start that over. Either you're ignoring everybody, which is bad, or you're giving everyone medical attention, but you intentionally ignored Punk, which is worse, because you singled him out to the point where his health was at risk. CM Punk and Cole Cabana won this case for one fact and one fact only. That's the WWE's medical team being full of shit. That's all it really came down to. Medical, the medical team being full of shit. To the point where the WWE didn't even attach themselves to this case. This is the doctor all on his own, hiring his own medical, uh, excuse me, all, own law team and his own lawyer to defend him and prosecute Punk and Cabana. There's got no tie-in, even though Punk has gone public saying he knows for a fact that the WWE is funding him. They're funding this case because they just wanted to see how far it would go. And the end result was nowhere. It went nowhere. It didn't go anywhere because it wasn't, they weren't lying. They told the truth and literally almost everything that they fucking talked about. I know literally and almost don't work together, but you get what I'm trying to say here. For the most part, they presented enough evidence before a judge to say, yeah, yeah, he was mistreated and you guys dropped the ball on this. And the fact that WWE still has him on the payroll at this point kind of seems a little out of place, does it not? So you people really need to stop with this quitter crap. You really, 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 really need to stop with this quitter crap because it's just not true. It's not factual. Not in the term and not in the sense in which you're trying to bring it out. Did he quit his job? Yeah, he quit his job. Everyone should quit their job when they're fucking being gunned down. Everyone should fucking quit their job when their employer is intentionally trying to fuck them. That is not something you should be penalized for. It's the dumbest sense of logic I've ever heard. He's an asshole because he quit his job. He quit his job because he was fucking dumb. So again, you can check out all the facts for the CM Punk story for yourself. They're all over the internet at this point. I could plug them, but what the fuck is the point? You can get more specifics on that. But I I pretty much gave you the bullet points here. and, And I think what the end result of this should be. We try to lay this to rest now. 
Okay, we're trying to lay this shit to rest. And I know that we can we can sit here and talk about his whole situation at UFC and he lost the fight. I'm not going to sit here and go all day about that fight because I already prepped it in the previous episode exactly what I thought was going to happen and what I had hoped for. And what I thought would happen was that he'd get his ass kicked. What I hoped for is that he would have a better showing. Uh, the first one happened. The second one did not. He did not have a better showing. Anybody who sits there and says, well, at least he looked better in this fight than the previous. It's, it's, that's not what happened. You had two people in there who had no business being on the make card of any fight show anywhere on the fucking planet. All right. This guy, Jackson and, and Punk, were in there, and it was the game of who's the shinier shit. Neither one looked like they knew what the fuck they were doing. Neither one knew exactly. They were just beating the shit out of each other. All right. The first time Punk had a fight, and he looked like that. We gave him the benefit of the doubt. He hadn't been doing this for a while. It was his first fight. But he's had three years of training. Three years of training should get you at least a preliminary look. Three years. Okay? He doesn't fucking have it. That's it. He's not a professional fucking fighter. End of fucking conversation. That's it. All done. I don't want to hear shit about passion. I don't want to hear shit about a dream. It was a dream of his. Nigga, it was a dream of his like a day ago. Okay? That's what I said after the first fight. Okay? It was a two-year run after that, and he still came up with no, with no visible improvement at all whatsoever. Cardio looked bad. He's doing. He's throwing roundhouse kicks or whatever the hell he was doing with those twirls. I don't understand. It just looked bad. He was busted open by the third round. He was gassed out of his freaking mind. So it was Jackson for that matter. But hey, here you go. Like I said, battle of two. It was a battle of who was the shinier shit. And he got his ass kicked. So he, he wants to spin it as, well, I was one for one this week. Yeah, well, the, f- the second one, you know, that loss hurt a lot more than that fucking, uh, you know. Well, then maybe it didn't. Because if he would have lost the court case, he would have had to up $8 million. So, yeah, I guess, that, I, guess this, I guess the first victory does matter more than the second one. Because that $8 million would have hurt a lot more. That $8 million would have hurt me a lot more than Jackson could have hurt me. I tell you that right now. So, yep, there that is right there. I mean, I, what else can I say about Jackson and what I'm punk? Nothing. He got his ass kicked. He's done. As far as him coming back to the WWE, nah, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Because for that to happen, he would have to get on his knees and kiss the ring. And he's not going to do that. At least I would hope not. If he does, it won't be for active competition. He's not going to be anywhere near wrestling or at least anywhere near the WWE for a long, 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 long time. And as far as him going to all in, I don't think that's a reasonable thing either. For two reasons. I, I, don't, think either one, I don't think either one benefits from this. What does All In get from Punk being there? It's a one-off show. I can see if you were starting a federation or starting a company, it's a one-off. It's a one-off show, which means that they're not doing anymore, and you already sold all your tickets. So what would be the point of dropping what could be millions of dollars to get the one guy? Unless you're just not trying to turn a profit at all, and you're just saying, fuck it. You know, we're just going to have the, the, the biggest Chicago wrestler of all time on our show for shits and giggles and, and entertain people. If that's the case, then fuck it. I guess go ahead for it. But there really is no fucking point to bring this guy onto the show at all. And it doesn't really work for Punk because all it's going to do is just open up Pandora's box. He hasn't been in the WWE for four years and he's still getting wrestling shit. If he goes to all in, I mean, that just opens the floodgates for more. All these bootleg promotions offering him all this little itty-bitty money for appearances and yada, 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 yada. I don't think anybody benefits from this, except for the audience, because I guess if the audience showed up, they'd lose their fucking mind. It'd be great to see him. I, I promise you this, he's not competing. 
He's not competing. At best, you'll get an appearance. But even then, like I just said, I mean, what's the point? What's the point? So you can debate all this stuff in the comments below, of course. You can check out the social media. Please do follow me on the page. I, I only have like 480 likes on the actual page, but like 1,400 fucking people in the group. So I'm, start, I'm trying to get you guys to like the page as well so you can get these notifications and stuff that's coming up. Uh, real quick, I've been doing, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I've been doing the swimming class, so my times are like really off from one another. So uh, I'm going to try to get this out at 9 o'clock. I may be late. I may be early. It depends on the situation. And it's going to be that way for the next two episodes as well. I know it'll come out Monday, uh, Wednesday. I just the time will flux because uh, I have to squeeze it in. There's a lot of things I have to do in between in my day for the next. It's, this month of June is just horrendous. My schedule is just super, super, super tight. So, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you guys for downloading. And thank you guys for enjoying. I will catch you next week. <laughs>